0: Greetings and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Miesler, and this show provides content curation as a service with a focus on the intersection of security, technology, and humans. I spend between five and 20 hours a week consuming books, articles, and podcasts. And each episode is either a curated summary of what I've discovered in the past week, or a standalone essay that hopefully gives you something to think about. All right, welcome to episode 187. This is Daniel Miesler. And this is going to be a crazy episode. It's probably, I think it's taken me almost nine hours to write this thing. Started at like 11. It's almost eight. Yeah, like nine hours. Anyway, I, think I took a break in there somewhere. But uh, starting off security news. So lots of people in the security community went silly over the Facebook app application last week, basically saying that you shouldn't be using it because it'll steal your face and then People could use that to impersonate you. Oh, and and then it turned out to be a Russian company who put out the application, which made it, you know, way, way worse. I think the problem here is the lack of threat model thinking. When it comes to election security, propaganda discussions or whatever, I'm super concerned about Putin's willingness and ability to harm our country's cohesion through memes and social media. But that does not extend to some random company stealing faces. Right, because it's a different organization, right? It's not Putin, it's not the FSB, it's some random company, as far as we know. And but why why the difference? Like why the difference between one and another? Because before you can get legitimately concerned about something, you have to be able to describe a threat scenario in which that thing becomes dangerous. As I talked about before in a previous piece, pictures of your face are not the same as your actual face when it comes to biometric authentication. There's a reason companies need a specific device combined with their custom algorithm in order to enroll you in a facial identification system, right? They scan you in in a very specific way and then store your data, which is actually just like a hash or representation, not your actual face. And they do that in a very specific way as well. Then they need to use that exact same system to scan you again so they can compare the two representations to each other that isn't happening with random apps that have pictures of you. And even if that were the case, they could just get your face off other from other places, right? From Facebook, off your social media, where those same people who are worried, you know, are more than happy to take selfies, put their pictures on profile, you know, images and make sure as many people see them as possible. So there are actual negative things that can happen with your picture being out there, like, you know, I'm sure people are going to be making deep fakes of other people by scraping images of them from the internet, right? And that's going to get easier over time. But the defense for that is to have zero pictures of you anywhere. And once again, you have to ask who would be doing that to you, right? Who's the person who's going to make a deep fake of you and why? I mean, the bottom line here is that authentication systems take special effort to try to ensure that the input given is the same as the enrollment item, like the face or the fingerprint or palm print or whatever. So it's not going to be easy anytime soon to go from a random picture to something that can fool a face scanner or fingerprint reader at the airport. People reading this probably already know, but spread the word, right? Threat modeling is one of our best tools for removing emotion from risk management. All right, a contractor named Cytech that does some work with the Russian FSB, evidently a lot of work, has been breached, resulting in the release of 7.5 terabytes of data, that's terabytes with a T, on the FSB's various projects. This is obviously embarrassing for Cytech and the FSB, but the leaked projects focused on de-anonymization, spying on Russian businesses, And the project to break Russia away from the internet, which these are all known and like everyone knows about these efforts and these projects. So there doesn't seem to be any big reveals as a result of the leak, but it's still super embarrassing for that contractor and for the FSB. I think some article said that the Russians were red faced over this, which I wasn't sure if they were trying to be funny, but anyway. All right, someone discovered that a bunch of browser extensions were reading things they shouldn't be and sending them out to places they also shouldn't be. This is not surprising to me, right? I mean, Chrome extensions are like Android apps, which should tell you everything you need to know about installing random ones that seem interesting. My policy on browser extensions is extremely strict for this reason, right? People need to understand how insane the entire idea of the modern web is we're visiting URLs that are executing code on our machines. Yes, it's only JavaScript, but JavaScript is like really powerful. And it's not just code from that website, but code from thousands of other websites over the course of like an average browsing session. It's an absolute garbage fire. And the only defense really is to question how much you trust your browser, your operating system, and the original site you're visiting. But even then you're still exposing yourself to a significant and continuously evolving risk when you run around clicking random things online. And the worst possible thing you could do in that situation is install more functionality, which gives more parties more access to that giant stack of assumptions you're making just by using web browser. The best possible stance to have is to have as few people possible with access to your particular dumpster. And that means installing as few highly vetted add-ons as possible. Microsoft has sent notifications to 10,000 of its customers in the last year, indicating that they've been targeted by nation-sponsored actors. Not that Microsoft has, but that they have, which means, you know, probably cloud infrastructure. They hit Microsoft trying to target the customer. They let them know. I think it's a pretty cool service. I'm glad they're doing this write-up. They said around 85% of the attacks were against enterprise-level organizations. And they also said there were 781 notifications of attempts against election campaigns and that we should expect more of that in 2020, which, yeah, that seems uh, like a good bet. Virginia is piloting a new AI-based system for detecting hidden weapons and testing locations will include the Virginia State Capitol complex. That's a good place for it. I mean, so, so you basically install sensors in various locations. And it uses different methods to look at people's bodies, their clothing, like even inside their bags from the outside to try to infer whether they're carrying weapons. If you've been following my commentary on sensors and AI over the last few years, this will sound quite familiar, right? Cameras are just visual sensors. uh, But there are many other types of sensors, infrared, x-ray, sound, vibration, smell, chemicals, Uh, pressure, temperature, right? All these different things. When you combine all these together with tons of training data, you're going to end up with some really powerful detection and ultimately prediction capabilities. So think watching how someone is walking, looking for bulges in their clothing, sensing their body language, watching where they're looking, analyzing their facial expressions, all from one set of sensors or from multiple sets of sensors that are part of one system, which in turn feed dozens hundreds or thousands of algorithms that produce a score or a rating. That's where this is ultimately going. And this is just day zero. And there will will be many issues with both false negatives and false positives along the way. Similar technology, Oakland has become the third US city to ban the government use of facial recognition technologies. I get that they're trying to protect against overreaching government and biased algorithms. But facial recognition technologies are actually no different than putting up wanted posters or showing a suspect's face on the nightly news. It's exactly the same thing. In both cases, you have, you, you can have someone call in and say they saw the person, which could result them in them being caught, or it could be a mistake for whatever reason. But the point is that facial recognition technologies can absolutely help get more really bad people off the street much faster. Of course, there are trade-offs, but the conversation around benefits versus downsides isn't actually happening. Instead, people are reacting, reacting emotionally and they're preventing tech that could absolutely help with police coverage issues in these very same cities, which will in turn leave more criminals on the streets for longer again, it doesn't mean automatically approve facial recognition because it could help in the future. It means we need to have the conversation. And that just is not happening right now in these cities that are banning it. Florida, (laughs) this is so nasty. Florida's Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles made more than $77 million In 2017, selling its citizens' personal information to data brokers. That includes Axiom, which is a well-known data broker that makes money by, of course, selling your information to yet another set of companies. This is extremely gross. It's the worst of both worlds. You're mandated by the government to give your information away. With, With, by the way, no option to opt out which the capitalist mentality then inspires them to sell for a profit. I mean, these people need to pick a side. Are you a public service or a business? When people can't tell the difference between those two things, you have the problems like we see today in education and healthcare, and now in privacy as well. Researchers found a way to trick silence into marking good software as malware. It's no fun. Google has doubled its payouts for Chrome high quality issues from 15,000 to 30,000 and tripled the base rate for Chrome bugs from five grand to 15 grand. They really really want to find some Chrome bugs. Bay Area police forces are starting to integrate drones into their arsenal. The biggest uses so far are standoffs and search and rescue. Seems like a good use. Here's a list of police departments partnering with Amazon Ring to fight local crime. Got a link here in the newsletter. I keep saying the same thing different ways, but this type of thing is both good and bad in potential and in practice, right? It's possible to do really well and have it be spectacular. And it's possible to do unethically in a gross way that gives it a hard pass for me. And the trick is that the ground is constantly shifting based on who's running the tech, how well it's being implemented and by whom, right? The, the one thing we can't do though, is say that it could be taken advantage of someday by someone. And therefore you don't want to use any of it anywhere ever. That's too strong a line in my opinion, given the inevitability and practical usefulness of these technologies. I think we need a more realistic set of expectations and boundaries as both consumers and security professionals, especially when it's up to us to talk about these technologies with regular people who aren't in security, right? If they come to us and they're like, oh, would you put a camera up? I mean, I don't think it's a, a good thing to say to people, oh no, I would never put a camera up. Cameras are bad. You should you know, fight everything because a camera means someone's going to watch it and the government's looking at you or your information's being stolen. Like if you just pitch that vibe to everyone, I feel like we're not providing the service that we need to be providing as security professionals, like giving a balanced view, right? I also wouldn't say, oh yeah, ca- more cameras, the better, you know, the more the better and IOT everything and don't worry about it. There's no problem. That's also irresponsible, right? So I feel like we have to say, look, you you can get some benefit from IOT, Cameras can help, you know, surveillance can be useful or whatever. Maybe the ring stuff is okay. You have to look at how much you trust the company. You have to look at where you're putting it. You have to look at what information is being gathered, what you're doing in front of these cameras. What's their policy for storing the information? Can you clean up the information? And they'll actually delete it if you were to ask. Like all these questions. Obviously, you don't want to hit them with like 20 pages of info when they ask a simple question in the elevator. But I think it's our job to be nuanced on this because this is a train that is not stopping right a few security people aren't going to get on twitter and complain about facial recognition and iot and surveillance and all these things and have it go away it's like stopping the, you know the industrial revolution or cars or you know tvs or something like it's just not going to we're not going to stop it that's capitalism it's technological progress it's going to happen so i think it's our role to make it happen in as safe a Way as possible. Looks like we're about to get some decent robocall legislation. Um, anecdotally, just personally myself, I've seen the volume decline in recent months. So I don't know if that's because my defenses are working or if, uh, you know, they've just given up and moved somewhere else. The Marines took down a suspected Iranian drone using an energy weapon. I think that's cool and all, but it was really just a jamming attack. As far as I could tell from the article, the question we really should be asking is what happens when drones are autonomous and they don't actually use radio signals to navigate and therefore can't be jammed? Like what, what happens if you just tell it, hey, this is what your target looks like and um, here's where they are and here's the map and just you just look downwards and navigate by geography. That's going to be a serious problem. I read about that first in... Um, this book called Kill Decision by Daniel Suarez. Obviously, it was fiction, but still scared the crap out of me. And this is real technology that people are working on, you know, what governments are working on. So I think that's a much more interesting question. Advisories, uh, Drupal uh, had like a CVSS, like 8 point something, 8.1 or something on the Richter scale. Slack had a bunch of password resets, like 100,000 password resets, something like that. And this was like four years after an incident, because basically they learned that it might not have been all cleaned up uh, according to a bug bounty. So they just preemptively reset a, another hundred grand worth of accounts. And Patreon has raised $60 million uh, in funding. Not sure why I put that in the security section. I think I was thinking it was Palantir. Anyway, Patreon, $60 million. Cool. Technology news. Amazon sold more than 175 million items on Prime Day, which is more than Black Friday and Cyber Monday combined. That is ridiculous. (laughs) More than Black Friday and Cyber Monday combined. Who can say Amazon is not winning? That's the definition of winning. Elon Musk's Neuralink project has revealed more information. Uh, about itself and uh, says it's nearly ready for human volunteers. I watched the whole video on this and the whole press release and the whole, you know, demo and everything. It's like all these tiny, tiny little fibers that they lay directly onto the brain. And then uh, they cut a hole in your skull and then they put the, in uh, the case for these things into the hole. So the hole fills or, or the the case fills the hole in your skull, which is very small. And then that speaks over Bluetooth to your iPhone. <laughs> and these electrodes are laying directly inside of your brain, and a robot actually puts them in there. So it's like jamming these these uh, threads in between your blood vessels, which it says it does very well. Um, but yeah, it was it was really cool. And a bunch of people are already signing up. Um me personally, Uh, I'm all about it, but, uh, not anytime soon. Right. I think I'll sit this version out. I'll get on version like three or four, maybe. Um, I'm happy to be early, but not like sign this pile of forms early. Uh, Netflix stock has dropped significantly after they revealed far less subscriber growth than they expected, like half the amount they expected. Actually, I personally, got less interested and got out of Netflix after I heard my friend Andrew Ringline pitch about Disney's entry into the streaming game. That's when I realized Amazon and all these other companies are getting in as well. And Netflix is moving from being like the only game in town to being one of many. I think they're about to get like seriously smacked. It doesn't mean they'll do worse than everyone else though. Like all all these other companies, they still have the same problems that they have. The whole game is actually just picking good shows at this point, right? because everything else will be commoditized, right? The infrastructure, the interface, the ease of use, like all that, everyone's just gonna steal from Netflix and build like a a clone of it to whatever degree that they can. Um, Then it's just down to art studios picking good hits. Um, I don't think it's quite that bad. I mean, Netflix will have some advantages, but, um, but it's gonna get to that point where they're just competing on content. I'm personally bullish on Disney plus because of that conversation with Andrew, if only because of princesses and star Wars and Marvel, it'll be the default on everyone's portfolio of like massive number of subscriptions, which that number is growing because Netflix is dying and no one else is going to have that advantage of like being the default one because of all that content Disney already has. I should have known this already, but 5g penetrates the human body less actually less than other mobile technologies. Yeah. I forget the wavelength for like three G and four G. Um, they keep raising, but five G is like 26 gigahertz, I believe. And it's still, you know, much lower than visible light. It's non ionizing, um, ionizing, which is where it breaks apart DNA, which is up in like the gamma range and that, that kind of stuff. But, It's much shorter wavelength, much higher energy wavelength, but much shorter. And which means it doesn't go through things. It it doesn't go through buildings, like almost anything can stop it, including human skin, which means it's less likely to penetrate into your body and hurt your organs and hurt your brain and all those things. So, uh, yeah, if you hear that, you know, 5G is going to penetrate everything and it's dangerous, I wouldn't say that's not true. I I think the science is pretty early here and we're going to hear massive, you know, contentious debate about this in the in the coming years, because they're going to have more towers. But the, the counter there is it's going to be way more towers, but broadcasting way less uh, power. So it's less of a broadcast, but a lot more towers versus now we have fewer towers, because the the waves penetrate much further. But you have to jack up the power on each transmitter. This is why you need so many more towers for 5G, because everything stops it. SanDisk now has a one terabyte micro SD card, but it's $500. So you should wait until that's like $5, which I guess will be next Thursday. Someone did a 100 hour MRI scan of the human brain and produced the most detailed map ever made. Got a link here to the video. Human news... Millennials are heavily interested in the West Coast, and especially in the Northwest, like Portland and Seattle. And if you haven't checked out TikTok, you really should. It's an extremely cool little social site where people do little clips of like dancing, posing, whatever, that only last a few seconds. It got really popular in China before the US, but now it's growing rapidly here as well. The UK government is going to retrain people who lost their jobs to AI, Alan Turing is finally getting the national respect he deserves via his face on the 50-pound banknote. Scotland is creating enough wind energy to power all of its homes twice over. American kids would rather be YouTube stars than astronauts. Highly depressing. And the DEA tracked every opioid pill sold in the U.S. This was a super depressing report. Like, what what these companies did in West Virginia was just criminal. Right. Ideas, trends, and analysis. I wrote an essay called time speeds up when you're wasting it. It's a piece basically on why time seems to speed up as we age and what we can do about it. Uh, Marvel's new shows on Disney plus are going to be so integrated into the movie universe that you'll need to watch them to have full context for what happens in the actual movies. This is super brilliant to like integrate them all together so that watching TV crosses over to being just like uh, being at the movies. And I was thinking the other day, I wonder if content studios going back to the whole Netflix thing, like in Disney plus thing of like picking good shows, wonder if content studios are using AI at all to help them pick winning shows. We have a, corpus to use for training, like all the different, um, movies that, that came out and how well they did. And we know humans suck at picking shows. So it seems like a perfect match for machine learning. So possible features, time of year, actor configuration, competitors launching at the same time, tropes, production quality, sequel or original humor level, star count, story originality, etc. Oh, I just thought of a few more like, um, the economy at the time, Uh, who's in charge of the government, like other sort of larger economic trends. I think you could do the same thing as a publisher for picking novels and also for TV shows, like anything where you're trying to create something, you know, creative that you're going to try to sell and you have no idea you're rolling the dice on whether or not anyone's going to like it. Have we hit peak podcast? This is a New York Times essay. Uh, I personally don't think so. I think it's getting close. I think it'll take another year or so for that to happen. I think right after the 2020 election, it'll drop off significantly. Either way, I've been blogging since 1999 and podcasting since 2015, and I'll be doing both in like 2065, I think, assuming society and I are still functional. makes no difference to me what everyone else is doing. Because thinking, learning, and sharing is my life. So yeah, if uh, if it were all to fall down, I don't think I would mind. I, I think uh, hopefully I would still have the same people listening and hopefully a few more. And last essay here, Servants Without Masters. Really cool piece about basically servants. Uh, this person was talking about being in Singapore. Uh, I won't spoil it. You should read it. Discovery, Dockers for pen testers, Peter Thiel on Eric Weinstein's first podcast ever. I've not listened yet, but I'm interested because Eric is left-leaning and Peter is right-leaning, yet they share so many opinions. I love secular situations like that because I think there's a higher chance of discovering some kind of truth, uh, you know, an actual truth. And shout out to my buddy, Mark Cunningham, who works at a company called Aviatrix that does multi-cloud networking, orchestration, and automation they figured out a way to deploy active firewalls in the cloud without using IPsec tunnels. So yeah. Um, buddy Mark works over there. If anyone's struggling with like scaling out their AWS transit gateway situation, give them a ping. And I've got the link to his email in the newsletter and the digital 2019 report on social media usage. This one basically says that Facebook is still winning. And it actually is getting stronger. Uh, also graynoise.io, uh, super, cool, super cool project by my buddy, Andrew Morris, that tells you what you can ignore in your internet security logs. So in, instead of scanning the internet, it's telling what you, what you can ignore in your scan logs on the internet. In other words, it tells you what to subtract because these are not malicious. Population equivalence maps with GeoPandas. And Kangabrina, a tool for finding admin portals and bug bounties, or whatever reason you have for finding admin portals, hopefully bug bounties. Notes. After describing the issue and sort of discussing this issue with subscribers, I'm going to be adding a new section to the newsletter and podcast for discovery of products and services this will do two things. It'll give a new way to find cool stuff you might otherwise not see. And two, it'll provide another source of income for the work that I'm doing. I'm remaining subscriber-based as my main mechanism for sure. So this will just be some additional income on top of that. But the subscriber thing, because I'm not really marketing uh, that strong, I'm not paying anyone to do marketing or anything. It just kind of levels off. And uh, I think there's more potential basically to have some supporting income from this. Um, and I don't want to ask people to pay more and I, I just don't want to be too aggressive with it. And the reason I'm willing to consider this option is because what I'm going to do is going to be different than what I'm seeing these other people do, where they stop the podcast in the middle and they're like, Oh, here's a message from Ovaltine or whatever. Right. And it's just, it breaks the flow. It's so obvious that they're reading a script that was given to them and like, I'm not going to do any of that. Um, I'm going to have a section in here. It's probably going to be under discovery or like right next to it. Um, and I'm not going to accept sponsors. Like it's not going to be sponsorship. I'm basically going to write, um, I'm I'm basically going to have a list of products or services that I think are really cool. And I'm going to spend a lot of effort looking for them. Um, I always find them in Facebook actually, right? Whenever I'm looking at Facebook, I'm like, oh, this is crap. Oh, political conversation. Don't want to look at it. I'm scrolling through as fast as I can because it's just gross. And then I see this thing and it's like, oh, here's this awesome new t-shirt. It's, you know, it's bulletproof and it's invisible and like all these different things. And I'm like, why haven't I heard of this before? This is a super cool product. And then I've bought so many products from Facebook. I'm like, can I just subscribe to the product feed? It's crazy. So anyway, earlier today I went and looked at a whole bunch. I, I just scrolled through Facebook. I, I captured like 10 different products. I wrote them down. I don't think many of them we'll make it into this. But then I went, looked at Joe Rogan's podcast and I went and looked at Daring Fireball and I looked at their sponsor feeds and found a bunch of other cool companies. And so what I could do is I can put the ones that I really like into the newsletter and then I could reach out to them and say, Hey, uh, you know, I've got, I've got a podcast and newsletter. Do you want to uh, support the show? Cause I'm going to put you in here. And then they'll be like, yeah, sure. Um, here's your script. I'm like, no, 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 no. no. So I'm not doing a script. I'm just going to say what I want to about it in here. I've got my own thing. And uh, here's my reach or whatever. And so what would you pay for that? And they'll probably be like, Oh, okay. So here's what you'll get for that. So they don't control anything that I do. Right. This is so cool. I don't have to, I don't have to change anything. I don't have to be careful of what I'm saying. None of it, hundred percent freedom. And hopefully, hopefully something back for it. And this is crazy. Tim Ferriss, I just read right after I got done thinking about this, I had an article in the feed for this week for this newsletter. Uh, The the title was um, Getting Rid of Subscriber-Based Podcasts. And I'm like, what the heck? What's going on here? Then I click on it. It's Tim Ferriss. And he says he's going back to the subscriber model. Why? Because his subscribers loved hearing about new products. And I'm like, there you go. So this system will be subscriber-based still, like it is now because I think that's the best way. But you still get the advantage of like this product discovery thing, which makes sense because I already have a discovery section. So anyway, that's the experiment I'm going to be trying soon. Um, Looking forward to that. I am having a small audio production crisis. (laughs) The audio on podcast 185 is the way I like the show to sound, right? But since I'm constantly tweaking my settings, I've lost the ability to recreate that sound. So I spent like four hours last night, which was Saturday night, trying to recreate it using different settings on the Rodecaster Pro, in Audition, whatever. But um, of course, had I known that I actually liked that episode, I would have recorded the steps meticulously, right? But I didn't realize I liked it until I did some things the other way and then didn't like it as much and I went back to 185. I was like, oh, that's the sound I like, but I can't get back to it. Anyway, if you're an Audition Specialist or you know, whatever, a sound engineer, and you could tell what episode 185 has that the other ones don't throw me a life donut know, lose. Yeah. Life donut. Appreciate it. Uh, all right. Some major analysis commentary in this episode. Yeah, this is, um, more for people who can click on the link, but, uh, yeah, a lot of content in this one, uh, more analysis in the security section. Are you okay with these larger explorations of things or do you prefer like the one to three sentence snippets? Let me know. I don't know, text me, call me, email, whatever. Recommendations. This is a cool recommendation. Uh, I've been telling everyone this. I want you to consider making three to five minute short videos to explain things at work. You already know how to make slides. So write a clean little script learn a basic video editor, whatever, could be Adobe Premiere, although I don't think that's basic. Anyway, learn anything you can edit video in and knock out one of these videos. This is like a presentation, but a thousand times more potent in impact. We're so used to YouTube these days that this is the expected medium of how people consume things. They want the video and they want the audio and they want it to be in sync. And the best part about this is you can execute perfectly on your content every time. There are no interruptions that get you out of your flow. Nobody can ask you a question, uh, like a fire alarm goes off or whatever, right? It's consistent execution of your idea every single time. Give it a try. Take a point that you've been needing to get across at work, something that you constantly have to respond to an email or whatever, make a crisp little video for it. And the next time you get that question, send them that email And if you have some sort of portal or central location for your department or your group or whatever, put the video there so people can see when they go there. And the aphorism quote for the week, mimicking the herd invites regression to the man. Mimicking the herd invites regression to the man, Charlie Munger. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. And don't forget that the show is both a podcast and a newsletter. So you can get more information about everything you just heard by subscribing to the newsletter or reading the blog posts for each episode. Also keep in mind that I do the show weekly, but if you're not a member, you're currently only getting every other odd numbered episode. And if you want to get every episode of the podcast and newsletter, you can become a member at com slash subscribe for less than a latte per month. Being a member will also get you access to the subscriber area of the site, which is the home for all previous member episodes, as well as other types of premium and experimental content. We'll see you next time.